Great. If you've not done Alpha before, amazing course and uh, just wonderful to see people exploring faith for the first time, meaning of life and having conversations, no matter what their background is. And um, let's keep praying. We challenged each other about a week and a half ago or so, depending on what night you uh, go to Grace Community. Will you pray for three people once a day and uh, build up some courage and boldness and ask them along? So I hope you're getting on okay with that. You've got another week. We were going to launch tonight, but for that reason, to give us more time and so that our guys can be trained um, this coming week. Uh, Phil Ford's going to do the training for that. And um, yeah, just gives them an opportunity to do that together. And then next Sunday we'll begin. So we've got another week. You know things are going to go well. Like God's got something to do when everything else goes wrong. Right? I mean, everything that could have gone wrong, for me anyway, today has gone wrong. <laughs> it just it felt like that anyway. Getting out the door was really difficult. Coming in the car, we were like, bah, 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 bah. and then we caught here and th- things. We, Lewis and I were meeting to like chuck stuff in the car, and we didn't work out where we were going to do it. And then we got here and all the techie issues. And I think God's got something to do uh, with us today that could be pretty significant. So I just encourage you: open your hearts, open your minds, and um, let's see what God's got to do. All right, well, the last few weeks in our series, Life to Live in Ephesians, we've been transitioning from this glorious new life that Paul has been laying out to the believers in Ephesus, reminding them of it, and we've transitioned into the practicalities of how do you actually live that out? Now, in churches, and people like me, we often kind of get into the habit of talking a lot about the new life and what we've been given, and so we should, but often it's not as practical as maybe we could be. And so today we're going to get really practical, and I promise you this is, this, it may not sound like the title of a practical preach, but it is. God fills, fills us with his Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live this life out in every way. And I think sometimes we think about the Spirit in abstract terms, but He is a person and He wants to fill you today. And so that's what we're going to do, take some time explaining what does it really mean to be filled with the Spirit, and then I want us to ask God to fill us. Simple. Just take time, listen, wait, and see what God does. So that's what we're going to do today. And at the heart of this is that God wants to fill you with power to be all that you are made to be. Jesus said this before his crucifixion and resurrection. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Sorry, before his uh, ascension. He is going to fill you with power from on high. The Spirit comes in power to fill you in all kinds of ways and do all kinds of things. Now, we can't talk about all of them in the next 20, 30 minutes. Some of you got excited about 20 minutes, maybe at least 30 minutes. Um, But here are just three that I want us to focus on today. God fills us to go His ways. 
God fills us with his love, and God fills us with gifts. And this phrase, to be filled with the Spirit, is an imperative in the present tense. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean it's a repeatable command. God is commanding this of us through Paul here. This is not a suggestion. Suggestion. It's not a side order with the main meal of Christianity. This is in the main meal of Christianity. If you want to be a Christian who walks in the ways of Jesus, you need to be continually filled with the Spirit. If we want more of God and to live the way that He is calling us to live, we must pursue more of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the word used in the New Testament for, or often used um, for, the, for the power that the Spirit brings is a word you might have heard before, one of the few Greek words you might have heard, dynamis. And it's where we get our word for dynamite. The Holy Spirit is explosive. And if you think about an explosion, it, it starts small and then it multiplies rapidly and quickly. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes and does. He, he comes and he, he helps us, empowers us to multiply quickly in character, in gifting, in what he is doing in our lives. And so today... I just want to begin by reminding us of that, that the power of God is here and he is explosive. So I think we should pray. Pray for his explosive power to come and move amongst us. Lord, forgive us when we talk about you, Holy Spirit, as if you are just some kind of brand of Christianity. We do not know what we do. Lord, we want to just take a moment now to surrender to you and to say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Lord, we need you in every way. Come and change us. Multiply the goodness in us, the Christ-likeness in us by your dynamic power. In your name, Jesus. Amen. The first thing I want us to look at is what it means to be filled with his ways. You've all been that friend. And most of us, if we're honest, I've been that person who has had too much to drink, can't hold themselves up, they're speaking in slurs, they're not making any sense, just talking absolute nonsense, you're sort of, you know, you've become their crutch and you're, you know, side to side trying to hold them up. I remember I was on a train, last train home uh, one night and uh, this guy gets on with his wife, um, or his missus anyway, I don't know if it's his wife, he gets on the train and uh, he's singing away. He's trying to get us all to join in. Uh, he's trying to sing Celtic songs. So you get some people going, oh no. Oh, you 
who's this guy? And then you get others like me who are going, yes, come on, oops. And uh, you've got different people here. I shouldn't say that today, should I? Not after yesterday, Darren. Can't even look at you. Um, and we're, we're, uh, we're, we're on this train, and they're singing away. He's singing, or he's singing away. Oh, it's a grand old team. And then um, he pulls out the classic. The classic. Everyone knows the classic. Older man, drunk song. And uh, it's funny because on the way up the train, his missus is like apologizing to everyone as if we didn't know i'm sorry sorry he's just had a few too many i'm sorry i'm sorry and um anyway he starts singing the classic i did it my way and uh it's it's just sad it's sad because this guy is totally filled He's given himself over to drink that night. And he's singing this song. And everyone on the train is thinking, mate, you should have done it somebody else's way. What's happened? What's happened? And lots of us have been in that sort of place. But there was no question. It was obvious to everyone he had given himself over to a few too many sarsaparillas and alcohol is now overtaking them. Paul is saying here, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to be so totally given over to the Holy Spirit that it is obvious, and as obvious as that bloke on that train, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that you're walking in the ways of Jesus, that people would just would see you, would, would know about you and think, oh, he's, he's that, she's that. Christian loves God, doing their life differently. It's not because you look drunk, but because as Ephesians 4 and 5 has been so emphatically saying, the Spirit gives you what you need to live this new life, to be so categorically different to everyone else by your life, by the way that you live. Bible scholar Ben Witherington says the New Testament is so clear that living a spirit-filled life is to be so obvious to everyone else around you that he said it was tangible evidence and concrete proof to the people in those towns and cities and villages. Are you living life in such a way that the evidence of God is all over you? I've been asking myself that question this week is that true of me? Honestly, I don't know. Sometimes, maybe. Other times, probably not. Notice Paul's language. We are to be filled up like a, a bottle of water. The Holy Spirit fills people. It's, it's a reference here to drinking vessels and to God's temple. Vessels, because the Spirit is like water to the follower of Jesus. We are thirsty for more of Jesus, more of the life that we can have in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the one who quenches that thirst. We get filled and we're quenched and we are satisfied. The temple, because we are all made not to be idolaters, verse 5, but be worshippers. Verse 19, right after this verse. 1 Corinthians 3, 
16 says this, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Once the people of God um, had the ark and the temple in their midst, and that was the obvious place where God's presence was to dwell in the middle of their whole society. If you were to be in Jerusalem in the days of Jesus, you wouldn't have been able to miss the temple on the mount. It's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's so different to anything else. It's so obviously there, and everyone knows that that is where God dwells, that is his holy temple. You are to be like that. So obviously different. So obviously sticking out a giant that people look to and go, God is with us. Not you yourself, but God in you. You might have an image in your mind about what it is to be spirit-filled from an event you've been to, conference that you're at. But let's come back to the Bible and see that at the heart of what it means to be spirit-filled is primarily about being filled with the person of the Holy Spirit who wants to make you more like Jesus. We receive power from the Holy Spirit for new thoughts, new attitudes, new actions. And that is the setting of the passage here, okay? So we believe in the power of the Bible Believe in God's word. And so I'm, going to, I'm always going to set it out like this. What, what is the context of, the, of what's being said here in the word? Well, the context here is that we're to follow God's example, as verse 1 says, and understand what the Lord's will is, verse 17. This is about how we be filled vessels who are quenched, satisfied, and filled temples who constantly produce worship. The filling of God brings satisfaction and worship. For me, as an early Christian, I struggled to walk consistently with Jesus. Sunday night, I'd be like, yes, Lord, I love you. Sunday night meeting was a cool meeting, so that's where I was at. Yes, Jesus, I love you so much. Monday morning, you would never have known at school. Maybe the odd comment, maybe the odd thing, maybe people knew I was a Christian, but my life didn't look very different. Friday night, you certainly couldn't tell the difference. Went away to the States when I was 17 for a summer where my cousins lived, stayed with them, got out mom and dad's here for a bit, and uh, ended up at a conference um, with some other, well, it was actually like a church, church kids camp, basically, youth camp. And one night we went out and we took communion together and I sat under a tree, took communion and something happened. Something happened. An encounter with God that I'd never experienced before. A filling of the Holy Spirit. I can now tell you that that's what it was. At the time I had no idea. But there was warmth that flooded me and something changed. God did something in me that meant that I could go home and I could start to live more consistently for Jesus. It was an empowering to go and live for Jesus. Honestly, I need more of those moments in my life. Continually need more of those moments in my life. The Holy Spirit helping me to be more and more like Christ. My tendency is to start relying on myself. I run about mad. 
trying to do things all my own strength. Instead of trusting the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we should expect from being spirit-filled according to Jesus. John 16, he said, Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And at his famous sermon on the mount, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And that's what Paul said to the Galatians too. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we're going to do something a bit different today. I want us to see that the Holy Spirit is helping us to be more Christ-like. It is not only about some kind of style of worship or types of miracles. They come. We should expect them. That is a part of it. But it's not the focus. The focus is that we become more Christ-like. And so we're going to take communion now in the power of the Spirit. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to us the glory of what Jesus did on the cross so that we could be set free from our sin and live this life that we've been called to live. Not only to, to be people who believe now and think that one day, yeah, we're going to be in heaven with Jesus, but that right now he's going to help us to be more Christ-like. He's going to help us to be more like Jesus. I'm going to read 1 Peter 3.18. I'm hoping this verse helps us to see how the Holy Spirit is reminding us of the cross constantly. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. If you didn't know, we were the unrighteous. Jesus was the righteous. To bring you it's every one of us who wants to know God, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Elsewhere it says that that same spirit who rose Christ from the dead is the one who is filling us. Wow. So what I'd love us to do in the next few minutes is just go and grab a cup and grab a piece of bread and then take it back to your seat and um, we'll take communion. We'll ask God to come and minister to us. So um, let's do that just now. Let's, uh, we have to kind of think a little bit about this. So um, just watch that there isn't like five or six of us around the table at once. We need to try and go one at a time. Um, but look to where the table nearest to you is, um, go and grab a cup and a piece of bread and come back to your seat. If you're the same household, you can go together.
It says this in um, Luke 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you know Jesus, if you love him, if you want to be more like him, we're just going to take a moment um, with the bread and the wine in front of us and just confess sin. Say to Jesus, I'm sorry. Uh, And then thank him because he's forgiven you. He's made you new. And then together we'll take the bread and the wine. Now, if you don't know Jesus... You can just watch this bit. This isn't for you. This is a moment for those of us who know him, who love him, who want to be more like him, who want to be reminded of what he's done for us and um, glorify him for it. So let's take a moment. Just if there's anything on your heart, if there's anyone in the room to forgive, go speak to them. Ask for forgiveness or forgive them if you need to do that. Okay, grab, grab that bread. This is symbolic of Christ's body given for you. Together, let's take the cup, remembering this is the new covenant, um, symbolic of the new covenant and the blood that has been shed for our sin. Lord Jesus, thank you that you did not go your own way. Um, well you did (laughs) you did you went your way but you did not go the way of the world you went the way of the Holy Spirit who 
so gloriously guided you in the ways of your Father. Lord, we pray that we would be led by your Spirit to go your ways, to be more like you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that you have made us righteous. We can stand now and say we are righteous in your sight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, second thing I want us to see is that we are filled with God's love. So when the Holy Spirit falls on people, one of the things that is always happening when we are filled with the Spirit is that he is showing to us, revealing to us his love, the love of the Father. Romans 5.5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Some of you have been lied to. Some of you have been told about the good news of Jesus. And you've believed it. But you've not really believed it for you. You've believed it for the world in a kind of abstract sense. You've, you've believed that Jesus died and that somehow you were involved um, and that he does in some way love you, but you, you haven't experienced, you haven't seen, you haven't known, you haven't believed that he personally loves you. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does when he fills you is he reveals to you the Father's love. That you're a son or a daughter of God the Father. He causes you, says Romans and Galatians, to cry out, Ah, but Father, which is this glorious term, beautiful term, which is not a formal term, but one that is about a dad and their kid who there's just so much love between. A kid who is adored by their father. So don't believe those lies. He loves you. You. Not just the church in general. He does love the church. Not just the world in general. He does love the world. But he loves you. You might, you might have had a, a bad experience of what it is to be loved in your life for all kinds of reasons. God today just wants to minister to you, to tell you that that may be true of the way that other people have loved you, but he loves you. He adores you. Paul says to the church in Rome and to the church in Galatia, Abba, Father. You can cry, Abba, Father, because of the Spirit in you. Don't forget that. He's not just saying it to the church in Rome. He's not just saying it to the church in Galatia. He's saying it to you. You may have kind of thought that God the Father is a father who is distant. Like you're at boarding school. And, but you're, per, you're permanently at boarding school. You never really come home. No, no. You're in the household of God. You eat at his table. He looks into your eyes. He is the one who wraps his arm around you when you need it. He loves you. 
Augustine of Hippo, an African theologian and church leader in the first century, he said that this Holy Spirit's distinguishing feature is that he is the overflow of love between the Father and the Son. God is love because, and because he is love, he cannot help but love. <laughs> he, it just comes out of him. He, he wants to love, and he loves you, and he's being, it's being poured out on you by the Holy Spirit. This is about relationship. It's about knowing the love of God. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit falling on people, I want you to always remember that it is in the context of this. God wants to pour out his love upon you. God wants us. He wants you. He doesn't need you to perform in order to receive from the outpouring of God's love. Grace demands that we come as we are. And I also want to just touch on this quickly before we just wait on God. We are to be filled with God's gifts. One of the ways in which the Spirit gifts us is through what we call the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To every single believer who follows Jesus, there are gifts. You are a vital part of his church, of his family. And to each one, he is given gifts. You can read that in Romans. You can read that in 1 Corinthians. We're like a body with many parts, and each one of us has a role to play. And this is all play, okay? So I know that sometimes it can feel like, especially in COVID days when we're distant from one another and hardly anyone's doing anything up front. Guys, each one of you is vital to what God wants to do. And we have to, we have to believe that. We have to start believing God for that. And we have to start helping one another to discover those gifts. And a part of that is going to be to pray for one another more regularly. Now, I mean, like, if you get together with people in twos and threes, twos just now, um, or sixes if you've got two households, so you know what I mean, um, or you're in grace communities on Zoom, or you're here, we need to be encouraging each other in our gifts. And part of that means that we need to try stuff. So if, and I mean, that sounds so terrible, doesn't it? I just try stuff. No, I mean that. I don't believe that God doesn't want us to step out in faith. God wants us to step out in faith. So if, Becky, God has put something on you today, and there's, there's, you've seen a picture, or you've just got this, like, this little whisper of a word or something, amazing. Come and speak to, we'll have um, Johnny at the back in a minute, Go and grab Johnny, speak to him and say, I think, I think God maybe wants me to say this. Then you can work at it together. Is that right? Is that for this moment? Okay, cool. I think it is. And then give it a go. And we're, you know what? This is a safe place. We love each other. This isn't a place where we're looking to shoot people down. We want people to give it a go. And to start growing in their gifts. Now some people will get supernatural gifts, like tongues. We love the gift of tongues. It's such a helpful gift for uh, building or being built up as we pray. It's such a helpful gift if someone brings a tongue and then it's interpreted and it kind of, uh, in that way, almost acts like a prophetic word. 
And it's a glorious thing for the church. It's a beautiful thing. And when you're in a church where that's happening, there's just something so beautiful about it. There are others who may receive other types of gifts that are just as meaningful. And we mustn't demean them because we just want a particular type of spectacular gift. I always use admin as my example for this because I do not have this gift and I wish I had this gift. Administration is an extraordinary gift. I wish I had it. There are so many gifts that God loves to pour out and each of them are so important. And so I think it's really vital for us that we don't, in some ways, have this picture in our minds of what it should look like because this is up to God as to how it looks. And it will look different for one person than it does from another. So in a moment when we ask God to come and move amongst us, some of you may be touched by God. And I've been in meetings where people are touched by God and they fall over. I've been in meetings um, where people are touched by God and they start trembling before God and they get on their knees and start speaking out in tongues, maybe even for the first time. I've been in meetings where all kinds of healings have taken place, all those sorts of things. And you think, wow, that's amazing. But there are also always in those moments people who aren't really feeling it. And it doesn't mean that it's not genuine. Or that might mean that God is touching them in a different way and doing something different in them. And there are all sorts of reasons why someone might or might not experience something. But I don't want us to over-worry about that. I don't want us to freak out about that. And in fact, if there's not a, a bit of uncomfortableness, is that even a word? Discomfort. Then I don't think, we'll be do- I don't think we're doing it right. I think there should be, because we're all given different gifts, and we're actually, we all are made in different ways, and we all have different experiences, and a part of what it means to be the body is to be uncomfortable at times. So you might be the type of person who thinks, oh my goodness, someone is speaking in a tongue. Ah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm freaking out, freaking out. Another person in the room is like, my goodness, about time. We should have been doing this every week. It's amazing. And then there's someone else in the room who's thinking, oh man, I've got to just, I've got this, this exhortation, what the Bible calls an exhortation, and it's, it's, it's maybe a, a verse they've been led to, and they, want it, they get up and they, they share this verse and they encourage us to do something with that. And, it, and it's wonderful and God's doing something in it. And some of you are just like, oh man, but this is, this is boring. Why can't we see like healings right now? No, we, we got to be deliberately uncomfortable in our love for one another as we try to discover what it means to be the body of the church. It's so important, and we need to pursue this together. Some of you were getting this knot in your stomach by me even mentioning these strange things. And if you need a guarantee that nothing will be uncomfortable in the church. I can't give you that. We're never going to do it perfectly. Gifts are sometimes just a little scary to some of us. And it do, it's a little scary getting out of the boat, isn't it? Taking a step. And that's okay. 
John 5, 19 says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. That's what this is about. So you're not going to see us trying to manipulate an atmosphere. You're not going to see us with smoke guns. Is that what you call them? Smoke cannons? Yeah, something like that. Um, We're not going to suddenly dim the lights, Holy Spirit lights. We're we're not going to do that kind of thing because we believe that when God wants to move, he will move and he will do things if we open our hearts up to him together as a church. And that's the two, that's the key, those are the two key things. What does God want to do, and are we open to it? And if we do that, God in his time will do extraordinary things. It might be that some meetings will do this kind of thing, and I'd like us to increasingly do this as we grow in this together as a church. We're not going to force it, but we're going to grow together as a church. Then you might find that there are some weeks where not much happens. That's okay. It's okay. We ask God, what do you want to do? Come, Father, come, Holy Spirit. Do what you want to do. If very little happens, okay. We move on. Jesus is on the throne. Right? Some weeks things will happen. And I'm hoping that it's not just, I'm giving the impression that it's just going to be Sunday meetings and main meetings. I'm hoping this happens on the street. Hoping this happens in your workplace. I'm hoping this happens in grace communities. John, uh, Mike Pilavacci, who founded um, Soul Survivor and ran it for years, he says this Do not prefer the graveyard to the nursery. What I meant by that is that it can be easier for us not to push out in faith with this stuff. And just go through formalities. Actually, we need to learn together in these gifts. And don't worry, we're, if we see anything unbiblical, we're going we're gonna to try and sort that out in a loving and gracious way. So we're going to try and do everything we can to remain biblical in everything that we do. But one of the ways that you can be sure of not being biblical is not trying. Not pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire all the gifts, especially prophecy, Paul says to the Corinthians. If we want to obey the Bible, want to be a Bible person, got to pursue the gifts. All right. Let's see what God wants to do. Why don't we do this? Why don't we stand together? And I'd love us just to do whatever it is that's going to help you to be in a posture to receive from God. So for me, sometimes it's helpful just to hold my hands out like this. Um, I'm going to start praying that God will come and move, and I'd ask you to do the same. And then we'll see what happens. Johnny is at the back over there, so if you have any prophetic words 
if God is speaking to you in any way, uh, he's given you, a, you think he might have given you a text to read out, he's given you a, a word about healing or a word about uh, some kind of prophetic word for us, some kind of exhortation, some kind of way in which you're going to build us up and encourage us, go and grab Johnny and um, have a quick chat with him and uh, we'll see if we can get you down, down here to, to share. Oh, Father. We thank you, Father, that this is your will that we're pursuing. It's not Ian's will. It's not Martha or Dennis's will. It's, it's your will. And so, Father, we lay ourselves down now and we say, Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh. We need to be continually filled up with you, Holy Spirit. Lord, for those of us feeling empty, would you fill us afresh? For those of us who are maybe even feeling like we're halfway full or whatever we're at, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray for more, more of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. And we wait for you. As, as Lewis comes up to um, lead us in worship, I just I sense that as he does, some of us, God is just calling to, to try and speak out in tongues for the first time. Um, so just start whispering it <laughs> um, and, and speaking to him and see what happens. To see what happens. Yeah, Father, Holy Spirit, show us how good you are. Fill us afresh with your love. As Lewis sings to us, would it minister to us? Would you be working through that to show us how wonderful you are? And Lord, as we take steps to just take, just to put our faith in you, our, our God who we know is with us and for us and pouring out your spirit on us. Lord, would you, would you honor that faith? Would you come and move? Come, Lord. <laughs> 